Long Beach Sermons, visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. Well, welcome, friends. I'm Bill White. I am one of the pastors here at City Church. Boy, what a, what a gift. Thanks, uh, Alex, for leading us off with such a thoughtful song. It's just, it's good to be with, with each other uh, in this season. It's good to be in God's presence. City Church, we're a radically welcoming community on a journey towards Jesus and joining him in the renewal of all things. There's plenty to be renewed in this world. Uh, we get to hear some about that today. Uh, and it's a particularly fun day for us as we get to introduce uh, elders and deacons uh, to the church today. So that's going to be a really good time. And so, yeah, just want to lean into that and turn it over to Brenna Rubio, who uh, is going to bring the word. <laughs> it, uh, it is. This is a sweet little Sunday uh, that we get to introduce our new, as of next Sunday, elders and deacons, as we are finishing the Book of Ruth, which has been our, our focus together this summer and um, Man, as Alex was playing for us, I was just thinking, it felt to me like the song he was playing was like an anthem for Ruth and Naomi. Uh, these two amazing women whose stories we have, we've tracked together over the summer. Hold on a little more, hope is in the Lord. This is not the end. Um, man, the, this was the kind of grit, the kind of faith that they embodied in so many ways. And it's really just been, we've heard from a lot of you. This has been a meaningful time together this summer to, to really see uh, the, the faithfulness, the commitment towards justice, the compassion that they have towards each other. Um, it's, been, it's been great to track their story. So this morning, as we wrap, wrap up the Book of Ruth, we are going to be looking at a thread of Ruth's story that has been there, but I'm not sure we've, we've particularly named it out loud. All through the story, there's been this piece that has been in the backdrop, shaping everything, but have we really named it? And that piece is we've talked about Ruth and Naomi and all these aspects of their lives that have kept them on the margins, ways that uh, being women in their society, as they traded off being immigrants, uh, first Naomi and Moab, then Ruth as she came back to Israel, uh, poor, impoverished, widows, these things that, that put them at the margins of their society. But have we named yet that Ruth was also, in the eyes of her culture, infertile, that she was not able to have a child, and what this meant to her as a woman in this time and in this place? We see it in the very first chapter of Ruth, in Ruth chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, uh, where it talks about how the sons of Naomi married Moabite women, and that over the course of 10 years, there's 10 years between the marriages and then the deaths of Naomi's sons. And in that 10 years, no children. No children. You know, usually in our time, in our place, around a year. You go for about a year of trying to get pregnant. And that's the point where you reach out and you start talking to the doctors and saying, oh, what's happening here? And the tests begin. Though often the tears and the prayers and just the feeling of what's wrong? Why can't I have this baby I so desperately want? They start 
a lot sooner. Uh, it could be, but despite the fact that, you know, some days it feels like I have about a dozen children, especially during quarantine, uh, you know, I've actually, I have experienced this. I've experienced the years um, of negative pregnancy tests, of waiting and hoping and thinking, yeah, it doesn't look like this is really going to happen. And for Ruth in this time and this place, this is what it meant to have a good life. This is what it meant to have a legacy, um, to fulfill her role as a woman. It was to have a child. This wasn't just a, oh, it might be nice. It was, oh, this was a desperate, desperate want. And she went so long and it never happened. And so now as we get to the end of the story of Ruth and against all the odds, she gets married, uh, married to a husband who's able to redeem not only her situation, but that of her mother-in-laws, to, to draw them into the heart of the community, to restore them uh, in so many ways. When it comes time when we find out that she is, she's able to have a child, this, this longed-for child, it could be so easy for us to just read it as like kind of the predictable end of the story. You know, just another fairy tale. This was what she wanted all along. This was the deep heartfelt need, and, and now she got it. Hooray, that was, God's, that was God's redemption, and that was her, her finally achieving her purpose, finally, finally achieving this thing that she wants. And that would be such a simplistic end to the story. And that's not actually what we're going to see today. We're going to see something much much more nuanced, much more layered, as, as Ruth finally has this longed-for child. And I think it's going to give us a more full set of questions to ask about what it means to have a good life, what it means to leave a legacy. So our friend Stephanie Brown, who we'll be introducing as one of our new deacons, She's agreed to read scripture for us this morning. So Stephanie, if you would take it away when you're ready. Thank you. Um, Ruth 4, 14 through 17. The women said to Naomi, praise be to the Lord who this day has not left you without a guardian redeemer. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life and sustain you in your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, and who is better to you than seven sons has given him birth. Then Naomi took the child in her arms and cared for him. The women living there said, Naomi has a son, and they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Stephanie. So I just wanna make sure we, we all understand what is happening here at the end of the story. You actually don't see Ruth's name at all in the story. She's mentioned as Naomi's daughter-in-law and she's given birth to the child who is named as Naomi's kinsman redeemer. Um, the child who, as they put it in verse 15, will renew Naomi's life and sustain her in her old age. There's this interesting way that though Ruth is the one who after years of infertility 
has finally had a child, the story pivots to Naomi because this is actually her story too. This is, this is her heart's desire. This is something that she actually has desperately needed, not just in the sense of, um, you know, wanting to become a grandma, right? Like, just like, oh, I want to have a chance to have a, a baby to cuddle or, you know, to, man, please make sure you bring them by on the weekends. I'll babysit for a little while while you get some time off. But no, she is looking for a child that she will actually get to raise in her old age who will become her legacy. And so though it would make so much sense to us, it would make so much sense to me that Ruth, after finally having a child, after so many years of waiting, would just want to cling to him so tightly. Say, oh, I longed for a baby. I will never let you go. That would make total sense to me. What we actually see in the story is her taking this child and passing it to Naomi and saying, here, mother, your son, your son, you're no longer alone. This child is yours, yours to raise, yours to nurture, yours to have a fresh start. And now chances are, you know, that, that Ruth will have more children, that she will, she'll raise alongside Boaz will become Boaz's inheritance, Ruth's legacy. But here in this moment, there's this incredible shift where she just says, no, even here, I'm going to look at you, Naomi. I'm going to give you center stage. I'm going to meet the desires of your heart because I can. I just can't. And so I will. Um, it's actually kind of mind boggling even knowing it was probably a very communal structure. Chances are they were living, you know, in, in very close quarters. It's, it's not like Ruth would never see her baby again, but it's an incredibly, a stunningly generous gift that she's making to Naomi. So I want to think about what creates that kind of person. What, what does this show about how she was, thinking about her life and her legacy. You know, this word fertile, the idea of fertility, it's kind of an agricultural term, uh, which kind of shows something about how people thought about biology for so, so long, but it's the sense of being productive, just like a piece of land can be productive or a tree can be productive. A tree can be fruitful. And maybe there was something, a, a way of thinking about fruit, about what it means to live a fruitful life that was just a little different for Ruth than just getting what she wanted. There's this um, Christian thinker, kind of modern contemplative named Henry Nouwen, and he puts it like this. He says, we have been called to be fruitful, not successful, not productive, not accomplished. Success comes from strength, stress, and human effort. Fruitfulness comes from vulnerability and the, the admission of our own weaknesses. Fruitfulness 
versus success, fruitfulness versus this sense of just getting what we want, what we need. There's a, this kind of quirky, offbeat thinker named Gordon McKenzie. He wrote this um, quirky, offbeat book called Orbiting the Giant Hairball. Um, but he had this great image. And uh, I asked my daughter, Dia, my in-house artist, if she would replicate it for me this morning, just to give us an idea of kind of trying to put a picture between the difference between these two perspectives, these two different pictures of what it means to, to live a good life, what it means to leave a legacy. And, and the first, the one that we're sort of used to, the success paradigm, he pictures in terms of a pyramid. Life is about the climb. Life is about working really hard to get what you want, to get what you need. And, you know, you're scrambling. And, and it might be that on your climb to the top, you leave other people on the bottom. And that's just how it works. You know, in some ways, I think we all would have said, well, okay. You know, Ruth did a lot to help Naomi along the way. You know, so if, if Ruth got the desires of her heart, and hey, she'd, she'd help Naomi a little bit too. Like, that would have been enough, but it wasn't enough for Ruth. She wasn't content to live a pyramid sort of life. Ruth was living more in this model of true fruitfulness. And, and with that, we have the picture of a plum tree. The plum tree, it's organic, right? It's a system and the health of every piece depends on the health of every other piece. You could picture Ruth being right there, the trunk in the center. And the reality is she didn't get what she had. She didn't reach this place of new health, new wholeness, a new place in community on her own, but there was life flowing into her from all sorts of places. The provision of God that we just see over and over in the story her deep friendship and the community that she's built with Naomi, their commitment to support each other, um, Boaz and his willingness to follow her lead, to be generous as she's been generous. These are all these deep roots that are nourishing on her in a way that she can't claim credit for. All she can do is accept this life that is flowing into her. And from that life that's flown into her, she can send it out to the branches. She can say, yes, I can give to others. What I have received, I can send out. I can send out as blessing into the world. Even as costly, as dramatic of a gift as sharing my firstborn child. I've received, freely I have received, freely I can give and an old mentor of mine used to put it this way. Um, he would look around, and when he thought about his own fruitfulness, his own, what am I accomplishing? He put it this way. He would say, my fruit grows on other people's trees. It wouldn't be enough for him to say, I've done this. I've done that. I've accomplished this. The point was, were there other people around him that he could say, I've poured into them. I have helped I've loved, I've seen, I've noticed, I've carried, I've built up. That's what matters. That's fruitfulness. To know that we have needed, 
and we've received and we can give. There are others who need, others that we get to pay it forward to. This is actually what leadership in the community of Jesus looks like. It's not that top-down model, leading from up on high, away from the people, giving orders. Leadership in Christian community is following the way of Jesus. Jesus, who received so freely from the Father and who gave so freely to all of us. The Apostle Paul puts it this way in Ephesians. He says, out of the generosity of Christ, each of us is given our own gift. Everybody in a Christian community, everybody in this family, this little funky, crazy, awesome little community, City Church of Long Beach, each of us has a gift. And to some, he gives out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, these leadership gifts. But it's not so that they can lord it from on high. And so they can train, they can equip the rest of the community, Christ followers in skilled work, working within the body, the church, until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to Jesus, fully mature, fully developed within and without, fully alive. This is the picture of fruitfulness that we see in Ruth, that we see in Jesus, that we're invited to live into with each other. It's part of the reason that when we name our values at City Church, we talk about being unforced. Fruit isn't commanded to grow. It happens naturally because the good stuff is there. There's good stuff flowing in and good stuff comes out. Unforced is one of our key values. So is the value of being better together, that we need each other. We deeply, deeply need each other in community. And so for all of us, there's an invitation, the life that we've received in Christ, all of those gifts, each of you, beautifully, wonderfully made, incredibly gifted, that life you're given, you get to share out. But this morning, we have a special privilege that we get to hear from these amazing people who have agreed to work alongside Bill and I to help lead and shepherd, to pour themselves out for the sake of this community. And it's really just so fun to get, each of them is just going to have a couple minutes to share a little bit about who they are and one of their stories of someone pouring into them, as well as something that they feel like they can give to this little community. If you're a little newer to church life, these words, deacon and elder, they may be, uh, feel a little foreign to you, a little, oh, I don't know what that means. A deacon basically is someone who's going to help lead us in practical care. How are we um, loving each other in really practical ways? How are we loving our neighbors in practical ways? Things like our community care efforts, giving groceries to neighbors uh, who need them. Uh, things like creation care. How are we taking care of the environment? All of these are things that deacons think about and help lead us in. And then elders are those who will help lead us in spiritual care. Uh, they're people who want to get to know you, want to hear your stories. They want to hear the stories that Bill and I have as well. They're going to help lead and care for us as your pastors. Um, they're going to help lead us as a community in these spiritual, spiritual matters. So these are awesome people. And I'm so excited to get 
to introduce them this morning. We're going to hear from our deacons first. We're going to go kind of semi-alphabetically. So I think, Jojo, you are up. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Hey, everyone. Uh, so my name is Jojo. Uh, a little bit about myself. Uh, I was born in the Philippines and raised on Guam, so I consider myself uh, an islander at heart. Um, but yes, uh, some of the ways that I've been spending my time recently uh, has been trying to get a job and praise God, I will start one next, the following Monday, not tomorrow, but the next Monday. So I'm really excited about that. Um, a little bit about someone that poured into me uh, on Guam, my youth pastor, his name is Keith. Um, I, I think he was one of the first people that I felt uh, really took time to get to know me and understand me um, and really talk about, you know, struggles and, and faith. Um, and I feel like I did take that into college to really uh, grow and deepen um, in that area. Uh, continuing with InterVarsity, uh, leadership there, um, and just, yeah, finding ways to be connected in community um, and grow as a Christ follower. Um, and a, a gift that I'm excited uh, to share, um, I am an Enneagram 7, so I think out of that, uh, positivity is one of my strengths. Um, so I am a person who likes to just kind of go after things, you know, like, People will give the, the suggestions and I'm just almost always going to say, yeah, let's do it. Like, that's kind of what I, uh, I think I can bring to the table. Um, some smiles, hugs, hopefully after COVID um, and uh, prayers to just encourage people along the way. So I hope to find ways to utilize those gifts um, as a deacon. So thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Jojo. And I meant to say, friends, feel free. Some of you have stories and you want to share about these particular people, the gifts that you know they are going to bring to this community. Feel free to throw them into the chat. Like Bill just mentioned Jojo's incredible skills with uh, Excel. Anything you want to put in, just lift up these people. This is our time this morning to do that. Next week is going to be some awesome meaning official kind of ceremony around all this. But this morning is sort of more the free-flowing kind of personal stories. Thanks, Jojo. All right, next up we get to hear from our friend Stephanie Brown, who is just awesome. Hi, everyone. Nice to meet you all. I'm Stephanie. I was born and raised in Maryland, um, but I definitely consider California home. Um, I am a special education teacher. I work um, in early childhood, an autism-focused classroom, and it, um, it has been definitely a stretching experience working distance learning, but I am really proud of my students and, and the family involvement. Um, I love the beach and hiking. I definitely connect um, in nature with, with God and just feel a sense of peace um, when I'm just outside. Um, one um, person that really poured into me was a college professor, Dr. Smith. He um, really saw me and recognized um, some of my gifts and kind of pushed me and encouraged me to apply for different things, things that I normally would have been a little nervous to do. He really um, encouraged me to do it and go for it. Um, he also um, 
just the way he talked about Jesus was really inspiring and how he lived his life, um, just wanting to love people and, and really see them for who they are and, and meet them at their needs and not try to um, force his agenda on them. So he, he definitely was really inspiring. Um, and one of the gifts that I'm excited to bring to the church is my gift of compassion. Um, I, I've experienced some difficult times in my life, and I think that those experiences have um, given me the ability to really sit and listen to people and to empathize with them and to um, just, just have the ability to, to not try to fix things, um, but just sit with them and love them. Um, but then also at times, um, try to come up with ways to how to practically meet needs. Um, and so that can be um, just visiting and sitting with you if you're lonely or, um, you know, if you need groceries, helping to get you groceries. Um, so I'm just really excited to, uh, to get to know you all better. Stephanie, we are so grateful for your heart of compassion, your leadership, and your just passion for people. Your heart always shines through. Thank you, friend. Okay, so then we have five elders that we get to hear from this morning. And again, we're going in sort of loosely alphabetical order within those groups. So we get to start off with our friend Laura on the elder side. Hi, everyone. I am Laura, and I have been going to City Church, I think maybe like six years now. I started <laughs> attending City Church just after the church moved over to Lafayette from Bill's Backyard. So um, I've been around for a while and I just, uh, I love City Church. I'm so happy to be part of this church family. Um, I live here in Long Beach with my husband, Jordan, and we have two daughters. Um, my daughter Eve has actually turned four today. So it's her birthday mm -hmm. today. Um, and then I have a one-year-old, Sayla. And um, so my primary, the way I primarily spend my time these days is taking care of my two girls. And I also um, work part-time from home as a um, consultant for local governments. And I primarily work um, on city planning and housing type issues um, for local governments. Um, so someone who poured into me, I definitely immediately thought of my parents. Um, I was raised in a home where I just never questioned that Jesus loved me and that was such a gift. Um, yeah, just a lot of love in my home and I'm so, so grateful for that. Um, another thing that I really learned from my parents was, and their, one of their gifts that I see is hospitality. Um, they had people over for dinner like every week, which as a teenager, I thought was really annoying. Um, but now I think it's really cool. Um, so I just had a quick little story that was an example. Like this one time, Jordan and I, when we were uh, first married, we were going to meet them. We lived out in California. My parents lived in Colorado at the time. We were going to meet them to um, go camping in Zion National Park. And we hadn't seen them for I don't know, probably like six months or something. And so we roll into the, my parents were already there. Um, we roll into the campground and my parents are all set up and we're like, hey, it's so great to see you. And my parents are like, yeah, good to see you too. We're having the, this couple over for dinner tonight. 
you know, it's going to rain tonight. So we just thought we'd invite him over for dinner. So Jordan and I are thinking like, wow, nice to see you too. Thought we'd just have a quiet <laughs> evening with you guys, but great. Let's have dinner with some strangers. Um, so that's kind of like an example of how my parents uh, are. They just, they show the love of God wherever they go. Um, so that's something, that's a gift that I'm trying to develop in myself because um, I think it's really great. And um, other gifts that I think I will bring to the community is I think um, my thought process is I'm kind of a slower thinker. I don't jump into things super quickly, um, which is a gift too, as Jojo was saying, but I'm probably the balance to Jojo in a way. Um, uh, and I'm so glad, yeah, our team is super diverse in that way. I think I'm kind of a measured thinker and I like to think things through. Um, so I hope that in that, I can bring that gift uh, to the team as well as just, yeah, being a good support to our pastors, Bill and Brenna. Mm. We are so looking forward to it. Thank you, Laura. You bring, you bring a lot. There is no doubt. And thank you everyone who's like adding it in the chat. Feel free to keep that going to add in some of your thoughts and some of the ways that these people have already poured into your life. Uh, I think next up, we're going to hear from our friend, Lisa Carpenter. Hi everyone. My name is Lisa Carpenter and um, I'm married to Alex Carpenter, the guy that was leading worship today. Uh, we both come from pretty international backgrounds. Alex was born and raised in Brazil and I was born in Japan and both of our families actually both live abroad in those countries. So here in Long Beach where we live, we really lean on our uh, friends to be our community and our family. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, how I spend my time, I work uh, with the Special Olympics here in Southern California. I love that work. I also have two little boys. I have Henry, who's three years old, going on four, and then Wesley, who is six months old. A person who has poured into me. So I was thinking, thinking, racking my brain, and of course, uh, thinking about it, the person who has been so significant in my life is Alex. That is my marriage relationship. We've been married for 12 years now, and mm -hmm. he has definitely poured into me. We are complete opposites. He is a seven in, in, on the Enneagram, and I'm a one, so I tend to really think in the black and white um, and which lends perfectly into um, being a conservative Christian for most of my life. But Alex has really helped me to look in the gray, to give the benefit of the doubt, um, and to really see Jesus in the gray and different colors. And that's where grace and unconditional love lie. Um, so that has been a really important lesson in my life. And I love so much how City Church really lives in that gray and um, helps us to see Jesus in a different way to accept all people um, and to love unconditionally. It's been uh, so life-giving for me. Mm. So lastly, um, I would say that um, I definitely uh, have the gift of compassion and empathy. I love connecting more on one-on-one -on -one settings. So I'm really looking forward to uh, meeting everyone and really greeting and talking to you and listening. So thanks everyone. 
Love it. Thank you, Lisa. I've said this to Lisa before, so I'll say it to all of you. She is one of the most people-oriented introverts I have ever met in my life. Like, it's awesome, Lisa's capacity for people. So I'm so grateful you're going to bring that to our board. Now we get to hear from the wonderful Lewis Baxton. Lewis, we can't wait. My name is Lewis, and um, I was born in Mount Clemens, Michigan, just outside of Detroit, and uh, moved to Guam when I was four. So I was raised in Guam and Saipan. I went to University of Hawaii as a music ed major, and then uh, came here to, uh, actually ended up here in Los Angeles on my way back to Hawaii, but, but stayed here and um, was a part of this uh, Venice Free Theater for a while and just ended up staying here and, and starting a family here. And I'm married to Helen, who's usually the greeter at church. And um, between us, we have four sons. And as of last week, we have eight grandkids now and, and three great grandkids, actually. So, um, when I think of who poured into me, uh, I, I'm, I'm actually a, uh, a retired teacher you know, who's been a school uh, or a, a church secretary for a while and before that 20 years as a, uh, an offset printer. And the, the people that have poured into me are my grandfathers and my, uh, my mom and dad. And, uh, and I, I, what I learned from them is like parents, Parents give their lives away for the, to their kids. It's pretty um, an amazing thing to me. And I, uh, um, I don't know, I, I hope that I'm doing that with my kids. And um, the thing that I believe that I can bring to the, ch to the church is, is a, a sense of encouragement. I, I have this kind of a love-hate relationship with God and with myself and with my neighbors. And the key for me is the loving kindness that, God, that, I've, that I've gotten from my relationship with God in, in Christ. And, and that key um, tells me that he encourages me and so I should encourage other people. And so that's what I that I think I bring, you know, encouragement. I love that. Thank you, Lewis. I mean, I hope what some of you are hearing as well is the honesty that our elders and our deacons get to bring. Um, it could be so easy to say, oh, here are the spiritual leaders of the church. You must just be perfect people. But do you, Hear this sense of story that Lewis can name his love-hate relationship with his neighbors, with God. You know that these are people who, just like you, are on a spiritual journey. Who are just offering to walk alongside each of us and ours. It's so great. All right, so we have two elders left to meet. So Megan, you are up. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Good. Okay. Great. Um, my name is Megan Williams, and I too am just really honored to be um, an elder on our board. Um, what a gift uh, to be a part of the leadership at City Church. I have gone to City Church since 2013 when I was, we were meeting in Bill White's backyard under an easy up, and um, I've just seen the church evolve over the years, and that has been a journey and also a gift um, for me and my family. Um, my husband's name is Richard, um, and my I have three boys, and they are just kind of my world right now, as many of you uh, parents can can really relate to. Um, teaching, I'm teaching Charlie first grade at home, 
Um, I'm also a marriage and family therapist, and I am also a uh, adjunct professor at APU. And it's just a gift um, to be able to pour out to people. I um, just really love walking alongside people, um, seeing them grow deeply um, into who they're going to be, um, both kind of psychologically, but also just spiritually and emotionally. I think all of those aspects go together. And um, someone who poured into me as a, as a kind of an adolescent was some youth pastors of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I come from a home of divorce and um, my youth pastor was one that I went to his office one day after school ha- having a particularly tough time at home and, and socially. And he just sat me down and said, Megan, you are a cycle breaker. Um, mm-hmm. You are going to change the dynamic of family um, as, as who you are and, and God is going to be with you in that and empower you in that. Mm-hmm. And as a 16 year old, I thought, Whoa. And I also thought, wow, he just spoke life into me in ways that, um, just radically changed, uh, my outlook and my hope. Um, so by God's grace, um, yeah, I just long to bring life to not only my family, but the families that here at city church as well, um, to walk alongside people. Yeah, so that's, that's a little bit about me. Thank you so much, Megan. We are so glad for the gifts that you bring. We experience them already as you preach with us a couple times a year and uh, for all of us who have the privilege of just getting to sit with you sometimes and talk. It's just a gift. Thanks. Thanks, Brenna. Thanks, everyone. And last but not least, we get to hear from our, fa- our friend, Rebecca Martinek-Williams, who will be joining us as an elder. Hey everyone, good morning. Uh, my name is Rebecca Martinek Williams, and uh, I am a California native. Uh, I I moved to Long Beach, and I've been in Long Beach since like 1999. Um, I I moved here when I was in college, and uh, have stayed because I think it's a wonderful community. Um, I am a lawyer by training and uh, the head of HR for City of Hope's uh, medical group and foundation. Um, I, uh, I'm married to my wonderful wife, Annie, and we have two little boys, Holden and Atticus. Um, and, uh, and we're all you know, trying to survive COVID, doing the homeschool or the, the learning online and, and working from home and everything like that. So I'm sure people can understand the boat that we're in. Um, who poured into me? So. I really thought about this. So one of the challenging things, I grew up in a very conservative Christian household. I went to um, Christian school most of my life. And when I came out, it was kind of like a bomb drop for a lot of my friends. Um, But I have really a group of four uh, girlfriends, two of which are, are pastors in their own right. And they have really poured into me in the sense that like when I dropped my bomb that I was gay, we went on this like deconstruction journey together. And then we've been on this cool reconstruction journey together. We have disagreed, we have cried, we have you know, torn our hair out, but we've done it together to try to figure out how to love one another and figure out the road back to Jesus. Um, and that has been such an amazing gift for me. Um, when I think about what I wanna to bring to the table, um, I think my gift's kind of hospitality. Um, I am an Enneagram 8, 
I love people. COVID has thrown a massive wrench in my ability to love people. Um, I think about the days where we all get to hug again and I get excited. Um, <laughs> but I, you know, I think about, you know, the journey that I've been on with Jesus and it's been one where, you know, there were, there were parts that were a real struggle because it's hard to trust a Christian community with your spiritual journey once you've kind of had such a negative experience coming in. And so I think I just want to offer a sense of like, you know, love and belonging and vulnerability as it takes a lot to come back on that journey and say, let's give it a shot again. So I think that's what I want to bring to City Church. That is huge. And I say that as someone who has deeply experienced your hospitality, Rebecca, as you invited people into your home, cooked for us. I mean, your capacity to love people and to lead is just incredible. So we're so grateful, so grateful for you and, and grateful for that journey that you went on, for the friends who went on it with you uh, so that you could be here today and help others on a similar journey. So, so grateful. This is an amazing group of people. I hope you all um, can hear that, can sense that. So different. We're going to have such good conversations, seeing things. We're going to help each other see things, hopefully from all sorts of different perspectives, listen to each other well, love each other well, because ultimately we want to follow Jesus and loving you all well. Uh, we want to lead and serve together. Um, so Bill and I are just so ridiculously grateful for this group of people. And we are grateful for each of you. Because what I know is that each of you has an answer to all of those questions as well. And if I had a wish for this afternoon, it's that you would be able to connect with someone to share a little bit about your story. Say, so, yeah, here are some of the people who have poured into me. I have been gifted. There are people who, who have helped me remember who I am, know who I am in deep and powerful ways. And, and here's maybe just, Maybe it's even hard to name. I know sometimes it can be, but to name even just one way that I, mean, I can bless the people around me. I actually have a gift that I can, I can give out to others and to name it, to claim it. This is who Jesus has created you to be as well. And we're going to do this thing called City Church all together. Thanks so much. Thanks again, Lord, for sharing and just for all of you. So grateful.